Welcome to Courage and Spice. This is the podcast for humans with self-doubt. I'll share evidence-based resources and teach you proven coaching tools to help you transcend your self-doubt. I'm Sass Petherick, a master coach and founder of the Self-Belief Coaching Academy. I'm so glad you're here. Let's do this. goodness we're at 95 episodes this is madness welcome to 2022 everyone if you are tuning into this in real time it is heading towards the end of January I'm back after a few weeks of a break I hope you got what you needed from the holiday break I actually managed to rest if you're like a long time listener you'll know that rest is not my favorite and last summer I sort of practiced a bit with like slowing down and resting and trying to take a summer off and it was a very kind of mixed experience for me I found that my over-functioning self has got used to spending decades finding safety in doing So I wasn't very good at not doing, but I found over the Christmas break, it was just a little easier. I kind of knew what to expect. I knew my own ways and means of preventing myself from resting. So I was kind of on to myself a bit more. I found it much easier. I think part of that is that I was way less burnt out at the end of 2021 than I usually am when I take a kind of intentional rest break. There must be something in that. And I also found I built in a week of sort of pre-rest to slow down and really prepare for taking some time off. And in that week, just really letting people know what I was and wasn't available for. And that included like the whole Christmas break and all of the kind of holiday-based activities that go on or didn't go on in the UK, you know, including Christmas itself and like putting plans in place to really see the people I wanted to see, getting my out-of-office sorted out, having some intentions around that whole break period. And it meant that, you know, I was organized for things like my VAT return and my my tax returns, all of it was kind of sorted, some thinking had gone on before the actual resting time. So I'm really going to use that week of pre-rest. I'm going to build that in in future. I found that really, really helpful. And over the break itself, I read lots of books, went on a ton of dog walks. I hosted my really good friend Helen for a, a night and we just like yacked for 12 hours and then I realized oh yeah I'm an introvert now so that's why I'm so knackered (laughs) just spent some time thinking about this year and my goals and intentions and oh I took mushrooms for the first time in this really beautiful healing ceremonialized way it felt very safe very therapeutic I'm going to do a, a whole episode about that because I've never taken psychedelics before and I posted about it on Instagram and had so many direct messages from people who are equally interested and fascinated by plant medicine so yeah I will be creating an episode all about my little trip 
I'm really excited about the guests I've got coming up over the next few months. We've got into this really lovely rhythm now of alternating kind of solo episodes with guest interviews. So we're planning a whole lot more of that this year. We had nearly 100,000 downloads of the podcast last year. I'm just kind of blown away that anyone wants to listen to me wanging on about self-doubt, but it's amazing. And yeah, I'm really putting some energy into podcasting this year. So I also wanted you to know that I'm super open to creating podcast episodes just for you. So we started doing this series last year of listener letters, and we kind of had a flurry of them come in, but they've dropped off a bit. So if you, dear listener, have a self-doubt related question, just zip over to selfbelief.school, my website, fill in the online form on the podcast page, and I'll reply to your letter in podcast form. So you'll get your very own episode, super fun to do. It can be completely anonymous if you wish. So if you know me in real life, or if you want to use that anonymity, that is totally fine and will be very much respected. But yeah, I think this it's going to be quite a fun-filled year of Courage and Spice. So I'm really, really glad you're listening in. And I thought today I would just talk a little bit about my starting of the year approach. So, and I'll talk about this a bit more when I discuss my mushroom journey, but I came away from that experience feeling quite clear and focused and just really open-hearted about my work and what I'm here to do. And that is going to, I think, keep coming back to me over this over this year. And usually I don't do a word of the year. Lots of people are choosing their word of the year at the moment, which is just when you, you know, choose an intention or a theme in word format, something that you can carry with you over the year. I have fond memories of blogging about this process way back in the old school kind of early days of the internet before everybody used it for bitcoin and porn and it felt so pure (laughs) in those days and i've no idea who actually started word of the year but it's defo mainstream now so you may have done this yourself in those um, days betwixt christmas and new year there was an article about it in the new york times so it's totally definitely mainstream now but it used to be this this kind of very it felt very sort of secret and sacred and kind of like bloggers used to do it so it I have memories of this being a really beautiful kind of quite poetic and pure process and you just basically go through a reflection and you know, think about what happened last year, what you are looking to create this year, and choose a word that encapsulates that kind of intentional energy you want to bring. It's ace. You can't do it wrong. I did this for, gosh, back in the day, half a dozen different years. I remember I had words like authentic before that was the cheesiest word in the universe, and nourish. I remember that when I was trying to lose weight connected when my purpose you know really started to fall into place when I wanted to leave the corporate world and expand I remember expand was a word I really played with like when I realized yeah this is the work I want to do so that felt really big and expansive to me and I guess that's the thing right they all can work in the sense that 
like all intentions, they help to create a bit of a space in our brains for something to become conscious, to become, you know, something that we're really aware of and we put our energy into. This is what I want more of kind of thing. I mean, I am a huge fan of intention. I think for me in my coaching model, uh, intention is one of the main tools of self-belief because it's all about envisioning and claiming what we actually want. And I think we do need a bit of self-belief to really state that for ourselves. The important thing I think is that intentions capture our attention, right? So they provide this touchstone kind of reminder that yeah, like they create that brain space so that we can say, yeah, yeah, this is the thing that I'm focusing on. And I think it's helpful to remember that the word itself doesn't really have any power. It's like the meaning we give it. How we think and feel about that word is the thing that creates the magic. I saw a quote the other day from Mary Oliver, the poet Mary Oliver, attention is the beginning of devotion. And I think that is the the key to this process. So for me, intentions don't really have anything to do with the action, with what you do. It's all about how you think and feel about it. And I just thought I, I wanted to talk about this a bit more because that's what I'm doing as I'm playing with my word of the year, which I decided to do this year. And I'll talk a bit more about the word I've chosen and why. But I really want to kind of encourage anyone who is doing this process or thinking about this process is that it's not about the outcome. Like so many of us get caught up on what do I actually create? What do I do? What's the end goal? All of that jazz. And I don't honestly think that that matters. It's not the outcome that creates the experience for us, it's how we feel on the way, what we think along the way, what these experiences allow us to believe about ourselves and what we're capable of. So intentions really have nothing to do with what we're actually doing. And I wanted to sort of demonstrate this with a a little analogy. So if you imagine that you wander into your kitchen on a cold winter's afternoon, for those of you in the Northern Hemisphere, this will not be tricky. You open up the pantry and there is a tin of herbal tea and a box of packet hot chocolate. And, you know, you could make the hot chocolate because you want something sweet to sort of soothe your winter blues, to give you a bit of a sugar hit because you're feeling low. Likewise, you could make the hot chocolate because you're feeling super upbeat and you're snuggling under a blanket with your book and a mug of sweet goodness would just be the cherry on top to that cozy winter day. And of course, you can reach for the hot chocolate and then remember that you're totally off sugar this year and it's only the 10th of January. So out of obligation and resentment, you reach for the herbal tea that you don't actually really like to be good, in inverted commas, Alternatively, you can see the hot chocolate, but you decide to stop and kind of tune into your body, really sense what it's craving, and you feel like, oh, herbal tea would actually really refresh me, and it's my favorite flavor, and it will be really warming, and I won't have that sugar crash afterwards, so you happily choose the tea. Right, so you see how that works? It doesn't matter what the outcome is. It doesn't really matter what you end up doing. It's all about what you're thinking and feeling, the meaning you give to that experience. That's what changes 
the outcome for you. That's what changes your experience of it. So bringing our intentions to life is about being really interested in where you put your attention. Right, so you're not thinking so much about the outcome, you're thinking about how you feel and what you believe and what meaning you make from that experience. Right, that's everything. And what happens then when you start to see the world like that, right? It doesn't actually matter what I do, there's no right answer, there's no right word, there's just the word we make right. What I hope is that that might shift something for people, right? If you are doing a lot of goals and intention setting and all of that jazz, you start to think, oh, actually, it's how I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, the meaning I'm making from the experience. That's the thing that kind of matters. That's what helps me tell myself a story about my life that feels good to me. And all of this is why my word for 2022 is disappointment, right? And I want to explain why it's disappointment. I'm planning that 2022 will be my most financially abundant year yet in business. And I have so many stories floating around in my brain that saying that out loud will jinx it, that even if I am successful, I'll be judged and criticized and abandoned, all of that jazz, right? Because, you know, money stuff. What I'm setting myself up with here is a kind of cognitive distortion where I have either unsatisfactory option number one or risky option number two. Either way, I lose. I'll end up disappointing myself or the beloved humans in my circle. I really want to play with this in terms of, you know, what's it like to just own it and be with it and be in the energy of, you know, planning on having a really big financial year. And secondly, I'm working with a book coach at the moment and I really want my book in your hands by 2023. And my brain is already swirling with so many thoughts about, you know, don't say anything just yet because what if I don't get a publisher because I've already kind of been disappointed around that through the lockdown process what if I do publish it and it's met with indifference you know what if you don't like it you know the people that I'm writing it for which is kind of you know indifference to me is the worst kind of disappointment there's all of this kind of stuff that's playing on in my mind so even though these are the goals that I have it's disappointment that's actually the thing stopping me from experiencing you know the excitement of working towards those goals and the third thing is I'm sort of about 18 months now about halfway through a three-year strategy for my business where I'm really learning to work with my preferences my strengths and my energy levels right and so part of this process has been that I've stopped looking to other people for how to do this right so it's kind of all on me I'm really claiming ownership of how I do this and I've drastically simplified my business so I'm not letting myself create anything new I'm just staying with my three offers if you're a coach you can work with me in the academy and I'll teach you how to support clients with self-doubt if you've got self-doubt you can come and coach with me in self-belief school which opens in May this year 
And if you want to work one-to-one with a self-belief coach, come and have a look at Self-Belief Coach Match and we'll match make you with the right coach for you. So these are my three offers. That's it. And they're constrained. I, I have made a promise to myself that I won't I won't create anything new. So I kind of have to make this work, right? And there's no right offers. There's only the offers I make right. It's all about the meaning I'm bringing to it. The other part of this is that I've outsourced all the tasks that I don't absolutely need to do. So it means I've got no more busy work distractions. And if any of you are running your own business, you'll know that there is always busy work distractions. So because I'm actively participating in not doing those things, I've created a lot of space. And what I'm finding is that that space is catnip for what I call anticipatory disappointment. I think that's totally a thing. It's where we sort of anticipate a worst case scenario or we think about the ways it would go wrong. These three things, you know, my financially abundant year, getting my book published, getting my business strategy almost complete by the end of this year, all of these things feel quite big and feel quite real places where disappointment can can kind of come in and ruin the experience for me, right? Where it becomes that kind of binary of it's either worked or it hasn't and I get to be disappointed or elated. And that's, you know, that's kind of the thing that I've set myself up for. And so I thought, what if I spent this year really playing with disappointment, right? That's the psychological risk that I'm most sensitive to. So this is what my self-doubt is always trying to protect me from. It's going to find lots of ways to tell me to not do things or to do things differently to avoid disappointment. And, you know, when I think about this, it has completely understandable root causes. So growing up, you know, the adults in my life were always pretty disappointing. They didn't really know how to be or want to be adults. And so I took on a lot of responsibility on my shoulders as a kid. And of course, you know, the impact of this over time is that I've spent quite a lot of my life trying to avoid being disappointed or being disappointing. So I found some really excellent tactics to help me do that. I tend to, you know, work really hard, as we know, don't like taking breaks. I can be quite controlling. I love a fresh start. On my worst days, I can blame other people for being, for disappointing me. I'm pretty good at hiding or not celebrating good things. Like I really don't like celebrating my birthday. But these have all been kind of go-to behaviors to protect myself from disappointment. And, you know, as I start looking into this, I'm like, oh, look at all the stories around disappointment that I have, that I'm actively participating in. And I find that really interesting because I'm still trying to protect myself. So even though I think I've created these like tactics and what have you, it's the illusion of safety from disappointment. So what I want to do this year is to really practice getting super comfortable in the discomfort of disappointment. I want to feel about disappointment the way I feel about criticism. So for me, criticism, I'm pretty neutral about, like I'm really at peace with it. I get it that 
criticism is just someone else's opinion. And sometimes it's really helpful information. And I think, oh, that's uncomfortable to hear, but yeah, it's landing for me. That's helpful for me to know about. Sometimes I'll happily dismiss it because it's more about the other person. Overall, I'm pretty unhooked from criticism. I don't need to do anything to protect myself from it or to think about it or prepare for it. I don't kind of have that anticipatory disappointment around criticism, um, that feeling of anxiousness around it. I can just kind of be with it. Even when it stings, I'm okay with it. I want to feel like that about disappointment. Right? I really want to practice not anticipating disappointment before my dreams have had a chance to breathe. Right? I just want to allow all of it, especially when it feels really bad, when it feels horrible, but like ass, you know, you're like, oh, I just didn't want this. And I think the reason that I can see the advantage of this is because I've got to this place of neutrality with things like criticism. Loss is another one that I'm pretty okay with. Like I don't worry about, I don't really worry about failure, interestingly. That just seems like something that's far too final because I just think, well, it hasn't hasn't failed yet because I haven't finished. (laughs) So I want to get to that same place with disappointment. I really want to help myself learn how to regulate my nervous system when it comes to disappointment and to be a real like compassionate guardian of my thinking mind like really notice when am I falling into those stories around here comes disappointment I told you not to get your hopes up all that kind of stuff that plays on for me and I think this is going to help me to get really untangled from those beliefs that somehow disappointment is inevitable and it's always going to be a part of my life and it's something that I need to feel and think about and I really genuinely know in my bones having had this experience with other psychological risks that I've actively worked with over the years is that when I can reach a place of peace with it it's really going to help me to show up with more courage more devotion more love right all of that just feels very very possible for me on the other side of disappointment I'm probably going to share a bit more about this as I go through the year, but right now I'm just setting that intention. I'm setting that desire to get to a place of neutrality with disappointment. I don't believe that what happens is we set this word of the year and then we attract it all in because I don't think that's how it works. But I'm actively interested in putting my attention on disappointment because I want to heal that up right? You know, that's why I'm saying at the start of this podcast about don't worry so much about the outcome. There's no right word. It's just the word that you make right for you. Often I think we'll choose words that feel really positive and amazing, but I wanted to choose something that would help me actually heal and grow and become the next version of myself, right? And I think we all have something that self-doubt is trying to protect us from, So you will have heard me probably talk about this before on the podcast, that there are seven big risks that massively activate our self-doubt. And even as I read these out, just pay attention to the ones you think, oh, that's definitely me, don't like that. So disappointment, complexity, success, failure, judgment, rejection, and conflict, right? So when those risks are kind of 
how we run our life. We're trying to avoid or defer or somehow manage ourselves around those risks. Then self-doubt's kind of in charge. It's running the show, even on an unconscious level. So look, I absolutely encourage you to set intentions. I think there's so much power in that. Just allowing yourself to get clear on whatever it is you want more of. Massive yes to making your goals big and hairy if that feels exciting to you. But also remember that it is it is a complete myth that without these audacious goals, you'll have a small or unfulfilling life. I think, you know, the size of the goal has nothing to do with you. It's more about what is it that will bring you alive in this season of your life? What has some meaning for you? And if you want to play along with you know, playing with psychological risks, you know, think about what's the belief that holds me back the most and how can I dance with this, right? So I'm going to be really interested to dance with disappointment all year. And I would also offer, like, if you want some support to do this, like getting really clear on the psychological risks that you're sensitive to that activate your self-doubt is a huge part of self-belief school. We're going to be spending quite a lot of time playing with this. I think it's going to be self-belief school is going to be the best fun you can have with your self-doubt. Like this is the work that I've been creating over the last decade and it's going to be the only way to coach with me this year. So if you do want to stay in the loop about our first enrollment, which will open up this spring, definitely click on the link in the show notes. I'll keep you in the loop about it. I'll send you some emails about it and you can decide if it's right for you. Make a word of the year, set your intentions, dream as big and bright or as rich and deep and small as you wish. And I will be back in your ear holes next week with some more goodness. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, if you're ready to explore more about your self-doubt, I want to invite you to take the Self-Doubt Archetypes quiz. It's totally free and you'll uncover your particular flavor of self-doubt. It turns out self-doubt is not this amorphous cloud of woe. There are 12 different types of self-doubt and finding out yours is the first step to getting a handle on it. Just head over to www.sasspetherick.com backslash archetype for all the details.